My name's John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and today on Peace by Believing, we're going to pick up where we left off last time by asking the question, are you satisfied with Jesus? Are you satisfied with Him? Have you come to that place in your life where you can say, Jesus has given me peace, joy, contentment, and if He never did another thing for me, I'm totally satisfied with Him. Well, I hope that all of us can eventually get to that place, and I hope this sermon today will be a blessing to you. Now, I wonder today, as you think about your life and your own relationship with God, which one of those three categories are you in? Are you at a place today where you would say, John, I believe in Jesus, but I'm in the first stage. I'm in the apparent scarcity. I don't see how Jesus is enough for me right now. I think there would probably be some here. Others would say, well, I've been there, but I have come to now find that Jesus is sufficient. He is enough. And others would say, you know what? I have discovered and I'm now experiencing that Jesus is not only enough, he is more than enough. Now, here's the question that I think we would be wise to try to answer today. What has to happen in order for Jesus to become not only enough for us, but more than enough, where we can honestly say, I'm satisfied with Jesus. Not only am I saved, but I am truly satisfied with Jesus Christ. Well, remember, whatever is true of this bread is true of Jesus. And so just like this bread went from being scarce to sufficient to an abounding surplus, in order for Jesus to go from being apparently scarce, scarce, not enough, to being enough, to being more than enough, some things have to happen. I wish you'd just jot these down. First of all, and the first one has already happened, and that is he had to be physically broken. Jesus had to be physically broken. Now, this is one of the miracles that is recorded. In fact, I think it's the only miracle recorded in all four of the Gospels, Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's in all the Gospels. And if you read all four of them, you get some different nuances and some details here that may not be in the other one. And most of the Gospel writers say that when Jesus looked out over 15 to 20,000 people and he had five loaves of bread and two fish, that the first thing he did, he took that bread He blessed it. He prayed over it. And then what did Jesus do? He just broke that bread. He broke that. Now think about this. Remember what I said. Whatever is true of this bread is true of Jesus. Now, what does it say that Jesus said in the upper room there in Jerusalem with his disciples on the night before he was crucified? As he was instituting the Lord's Supper, he said, This is my body, which is is, what's the next word? Broken for you. When we take the Lord's Supper, what does the pastor say right before we all take the Lord's Supper? He said, he quotes Jesus. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And so the way that Jesus satisfies us and meets our deepest needs, it goes back to what he did 2,000 years ago when his body was broken, when those nails went in his hands and those nails went in his feet. Think about this. For 33 years, Jesus lived a a life like no one else has ever lived. Never sinned, never did anything wrong, completely pure in every way. And yet, 
Had Jesus not died on that cross, all we would have would be a good life to look up to and a good life to try to emulate. But we have more than that because Jesus, his body was broken. And so the first thing that has to happen for us to be satisfied is that we, his, his body had to be broken. Second thing that has to happen in order for Jesus to satisfy us, in order for Jesus to meet the deepest needs of our soul. Now, what does it mean when, I'm, when I say for Jesus to satisfy us? It means... That if nothing good ever happened to you again in your life, you never got a promotion, you never got a raise, nothing changed about your health, nothing changed about your personal life, if nothing good ever happened again, that you could be at a place in your life where you say, you know what, doesn't seem that anything's changing circumstantially, but I have come to a place in my life where I am so satisfied with Jesus, that it no longer matters to me if my circumstances change. That, that's, to be satisfied with Jesus is to be content. It's to be able to say and to sing and to really mean it. Jesus is enough for me. How does this happen? Well, the thing that we have to do is, is to realize that Jesus has to be spiritually received. He has to be spiritually received. Now, back on this day when Jesus was feeding these people, after he broke the bread, what did he do? He gave some to Andrew and some to Peter and some to Matthew and some to James and some to John. And he said, take that and distribute it to all these people out there. So what did they do? They took the bread and they received it. And then they went to all these circles, all these groups of 50 people. They gave it to them. What did they do? They received it. They had to to receive the bread, just like we have to receive Jesus. He's the bread of life. And what did Jesus say? He said, as many as would receive me, to them God has given the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. So Jesus has to be spiritually received. And then he has to be personally experienced. He has to be experienced. It wasn't enough for those people, uh, for the disciples or for the multitude just to take the bread, what they have to do? They had to eat the bread. They had to receive, the, they had to experience the bread. They had to digest, they had to ingest the bread. And that's how it is with us. If we're going to be satisfied with Jesus, we have to personally experience Him. And I think this is where most of us fail to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ. I think this is the reason that most of us are not as satisfied with Jesus as we could be and as we should be. We have received Him spiritually. We've been saved, and yet getting saved, that's enough to take you to heaven, but in order to be satisfied with Jesus, you have to do more than just get saved. You have to experience Jesus Christ in your daily life. I was reading my own Bible at home on Friday, and in my assigned reading for that day, I was in the Gospel of Mark in chapter number 13, and I'm using this year the Adrian Rogers Study Bible, and, and he has a little footnote or a little article that he had written about that passage of Scripture, and he's called this to believe or not to believe. And I thought that's going to be interesting. And listen to what, to what Pastor Rogers said. He said, when we come to a place where we don't understand what is happening, when everything seems to be caving in, there's Jesus. We always have the forgiveness of the cross, the victory of the empty tomb, and the hope of Christ's imminent return. When circumstances occur 
like learning of a life-threatening illness, or when a couple is told they cannot have a child, when we are laid off from work, when we have to declare bankruptcy, when we read a note that our spouse has left, when a loved one dies suddenly, we have a Savior and we have a choice to make, to believe or not to believe. At that time, we can begin to complain or despair, or we can yield to the Savior and hear Him say, My child, no matter what is happening, this is how much I love you. Look to the cross. Look to the empty tomb. Look for me. I'm coming again. And so Adrian said there are times in our lives where it's like things are caving in. It's like the world around us is crashing in, and we're going through all these things. And then somebody says to you, well, now remember, Jesus is enough. Well, Jesus is enough, but in order for Jesus to be enough for us, we have to begin to experience Jesus, and we have to begin to trust Jesus, and we have to begin to say, Lord, with this thing that I'm facing, with this thing that I'm going through right now, I believe that you are enough, that you are sufficient, and I am trusting you, and I believe it may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, but it will happen, there will come a time when I will say what appears now to be The scarcity, it doesn't seem like you're enough for me. God, I believe one day that will become, you'll become sufficient and you will become a surplus, that you will become more than I need. And so we have to experience Jesus personally on a, uh, on a daily basis and through whatever it is that we may face in life. And there's something about trusting the Lord and going on with God and staying faithful to the Lord during those difficult times that just gives us a peace. I was reading over the weekend about a man named uh, Ponce de Leon. He's a Spanish explorer, of course, and he came to Florida, and he found what he thought was the fountain of youth. And they, they call them the, the Ponce de Leon Springs there in, uh, in Florida. And he thought, man, if we could drink from this fountain... We never would get old. We never would age. I have found the fountain of youth. How many of us have figured out there's no such thing as the fountain of youth? We've tried it in a pill, and we've tried it in a jail, and we've, there's no such thing as the fountain of youth, not for our bodies. But, friend, there is something called the fountain of youth for our souls, and that is Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians, though our outward man is perishing, our inner man is being renewed day by day. And see, that's what it is to be satisfied with Jesus. That's what it is to come to a place in life where you say, you know what? The walls are coming in and things are crumbling around me, but I'm coming to a place in my life where I can honestly say, I have Jesus, and not only do I know I'm going to heaven, but now I'm discovering that Jesus is enough for me. Jesus. To discover Jesus. I read about a pastor over the weekend, and he was talking about the second blessing. And he said sometimes people would come up to him and say, Pastor, have you received the second blessing? And, you know, by that they mean the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this particular pastor says to those, that he would say to those people, Yes, I have received the second blessing. And they say, Well, Pastor, tell me about when you received the second blessing. Tell me about that experience. He said, Well, I'll tell you what. The second blessing is when I discovered what I had received at the first blessing. 
In other words, the second blessing is discovering that when you got saved, you got all of Jesus that you would ever get. You don't get Jesus in installments. When, when a person receives Christ, they receive Christ in his fullness and in his totality. Yes, there are times. Yes, there are experiences. Yes, there are seasons later in life when we come to more fully understand what we have in Jesus. We don't, you don't understand all that and experience all that right when you first get saved. But I like how he said that. The second blessing is discovering what we received in the first blessing. And then he said that he says to some people, not only have I had the second blessing, I've had the third blessing. And they say, what's the third blessing? He said, the third blessing is discovering I didn't understand it all at the second blessing. In other words, the longer we go with God, the longer we live in life, the more experiences we have, we discover this Jesus who saved me way back yonder not only was good enough to take me to heaven when I die, but he's sufficient to give me contentment and peace and joy and happiness now even as I live. That's what it is to say Jesus is enough. It starts with the apparent scarcity. We say, with what I'm facing now, I don't think Jesus is enough. Now, we wouldn't say it, but we think it. And then we go on with God, and we say, Lord, I'm trusting you, and I'm going to walk with you through this. I have a choice. Adrian was right. To believe or not to believe. Hamlet said the great question, to be or not to be. That is the question. Well, that was Hamlet's question. But for the Christian, the great question is to believe or not to believe. That's the question. I'm saying to you today, whatever it is you might be facing, whatever walls have come crashing in, whatever that I just read from him or something else that you or your family is experiencing this time, I don't minimize that. I don't say it's no big deal. Friend, it is a big deal. It is painful. It is difficult. It is hard. And all those those things can cause all of us to say, I know Jesus has saved me. I know he's living in my heart, but I don't know if he's really sufficient to give me peace, contentment, happiness, and joy. What I'm saying to you is you have a choice to make, to believe or not to believe, to believe that Jesus is sufficient, to believe that Jesus is in control, to believe that Jesus has allowed you to be wherever you are now so that you could trust him in an expanded way so that you could trust him in a deeper way, and so that you could come to a place where you would say, not only is Jesus enough, not only is Jesus sufficient, but he's more than enough. And if my circumstances never changed, I'm satisfied and I'm content in Jesus Christ. It's a lot easier for me to preach that than it is for any of us to experience that and to live that, but he has to be personally experienced. Let me ask you this question. Are you trusting Jesus with your problems and with your heartache And with your unanswered questions and with your confusion, are you trusting Jesus with those things just like you've trusted Jesus to save you and to one day take you to heaven? Because we have to do that if we're going to be able to say he's more than enough. So what what have I said? In order for Jesus to truly satisfy us and make us content on the inside, he had to be physically broken. He has been. He has to be spiritually received. Hopefully, you've been saved, and he has been. He has to be personally and daily experienced. And then notice the last thing. He has to be strategically shared. He has to be strategically shared. Jesus said to those disciples, take this bread and go and begin to distribute it amongst all these people. 15, 20,000 people, they're out there, and they're in these groups of 50. Why didn't Jesus just say, you know, tell them to sit down, and then we'll... No, Jesus had a plan. 
Jesus had a strategy. And Jesus said, what I want you to do is put them in groups of 50, and that way it'll be more organized. If you keep them like this, we'll never be able to get in and out of the, get to all of them. He strategically placed the people. He strategically fed the people. Now think about what I'm saying. In order for Jesus to satisfy you, whatever was true for that bread during this miracle is true for Jesus. Friend, that bread was distributed. That bread was shared. That bread was passed on to others. And I don't understand this. I can't fully explain this. I only know it's true because the Bible teaches it's true. There's something about sharing Christ with others that makes Christ more real to us. I was going to say it this way. I was going to say the more of Christ that you share, the more of Christ that you have. But that wouldn't be true because I just got finished saying you don't receive Christ and install. In other words, when you receive Christ, you received him all. So it's not true that the more of Christ you share with others, the more of Christ you have for yourself. But it is true that the more of Christ you share with others, the more of Christ you experience yourself. There's something about sharing Christ. A victorious Christian, a contented Christian, a joyful Christian, a happy Christian, an overcoming Christian, a Christian who can say not only is Jesus enough, but he is more than enough, is a Christian who has learned that by sharing Christ with others, we experience more of Christ for ourselves. There's something about sharing Christ. I can't explain it. It's taught in the scripture. I've experienced it in my own life. There's something about sharing Christ with others that makes Christ more real and more meaningful to us. I saw this last Tuesday night. The highlight of my week last week was going to HEB last Tuesday night about 8.30. And I know you're thinking, John, you had a slow week. You had a boring week last week. Well, probably so, but that was the highlight of my week. Last Tuesday night, I went to HEB, and I had picked up a few items, and I was going through the, you know, the thing, and the, the girl behind the thing was kind of tallying it all up, and, and she looked at me, and she said, are you Dr. Redmond? And when she first said that, I thought, how old do you think I am? That's my dad. <laughs> and I just said, I am. And because uh, I, I just, I, when I got my doctorate, I said to this church, I said, the state of Texas is not big enough for two Dr. Redmonds. I'm John. He's Dr. Redmond. But she was trying to be nice. But I said, yeah, I am. And she got a little bit... Um, Nervous, maybe, a little bit excited, and she, she said to me, I can't believe that I'm seeing you tonight. She said, when I was 11 years old, you saved me. And I said, well, now technically, I didn't, Jesus saved you. I, I can't save you. I, she said, well, you know, I know, I know. She said, you know what I mean? She said, my parents, and she told me her parents' name. She told me her parents' name. It all came back to me who she was. And this girl's several years away from 11 now. But she told me her parents' name, and she said, Do you remember that day I came to the church, and we met there in the office, and we sat down at the table, and she said, You told me how to get saved? And she said, I invited Jesus to come into my heart. I said, I, and she, when she told me about her parents, I said, I, I remember that. I do remember that day. That's been seven or eight years ago now. And she said, I can't tell you how often I think about that day. And she said, I can't help thinking about that day without thinking about you. And she said, so when I'm seeing you tonight, it's just all coming back to me. And she just made me feel so special, made me feel like a special person. And she said, would you mind if I come over there and just hugged your neck? And I said, well, no, I just think that'd be a good idea. And she came over there and hugged my neck, and the whole HEB staff was watching this. And I thought, well, 
I, I thought it was a good idea. I don't know if it's good or bad. But it was just a sweet moment. And so I, uh, I thought she was going to give me my groceries, but she didn't. I had to pay for them. But I paid for the groceries, and I loaded them in the, you know, got them up, didn't have much, and I went on home. And I thought, you know, seven years ago, I shared Christ with an 11-year-old girl, and she got saved. And I hadn't had much conversation with her in the last seven years. But she still got saved. And yet, when she just began to recount that experience, not only did she get happy, I got happy. And the whole store, even though they didn't know why, they got happy too. Because they said, look at how happy she is. And we don't know who that guy is. Maybe it's her uncle or maybe it's her neighbor. Or maybe it's some, who knows who he is. But some, for some reason, she's happy. And they got happy seeing how happy she was. And I thought, you know what a beautiful picture of how sharing Christ with others brings not only joy to the person who gets saved, it brings joy to the person who shared Christ. And on that night, it brought joy to everybody in the HEB. How can Jesus, not how can we receive more of Jesus. Friend, if you're saved, you've received all of Jesus that you'll ever have. But how can Jesus become more real to us during the song time, the worship time this morning? I was just kind of looking around the room during one of the songs at different, you know, just looking around. Who's here today? How many people are here today? Just kind of looking around. What, what's it going to be like preaching up there today? Who am I preaching to today? And my eyes landed on certain people and on certain families whose story I know well of how you have been through heartache and loss of health, of loved ones, of tragedies in your life. And I thought, God, I'm fixing to stand up there and say to all those people that Jesus Christ is more than enough to satisfy. And I thought, Lord, when I say that, I know that in their heads, they're going to say, well, it's true. Jesus is more than enough. I know I have Jesus. But God, I thought experientially, for those people out there today who will be listening to this service, and I know their stories. Lord, for me, at times in my own life, when I have all, I've always known that Jesus is enough. And yet I've been through enough things in my own life to be able to say to an audience like you today, I too understand that there are seasons in life, there are times in life when we go through things and we say, God, in my head, I know that you are more than enough. But God, during this valley, God, during this storm, it doesn't seem like you're enough. There's the apparent scarcity but I also know that if we'll stay with God and keep trusting in Him and make a decision to believe that He is sovereign, in control, and able to meet those deep needs, that one day we'll come out of that apparent scarcity and eventually we'll come into that place of sufficiency and ultimately we'll come to that place where we say, I wouldn't have believed it had you told me two years ago. I wouldn't have believed it if you told me six months ago. But somehow, even now, in what I have been through, I have discovered Jesus Christ is more than enough for me. Amen? Well, I can remember the Sunday morning when I preached that sermon here in Pasadena. And I can remember those people I was preaching to. And 
some of the things they had been through in their lives. And as I looked at them, I just thought, I wonder what they're thinking right now. Having just buried a child, having just lost a spouse, having just received a bad medical report. When I stand up there and say to them, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is sufficient. And I knew in my heart that everybody who was listening to that sermon that morning would agree with that in theory and in truth. Yes, Jesus is enough. And yet, sometimes when we go through a a deep enough valley or a dark enough season in life, we wonder, is Jesus really enough? Is he going to really give me peace? Can he help me to overcome what I'm facing right now with peace and joy and contentment in my heart? And so my heart just went out to those folks that day. And my heart goes out to you today, even though I might not know who you are. And I don't know what you might be facing today. But I want you to know, if you will stay with God, if you will go on with him, continue to trust him, he will bring you to a place where you will be able to say, I'm satisfied with Jesus. I would encourage you to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. We have some resources there that will hopefully be a blessing to you, booklets that you can read, sermons that you can listen to. Thank you for joining us today. May God bless you.